Welcome to the Business Legends Podcast, where we interview business leaders and entrepreneurs so that you can learn from their mistakes, pump up your own inspiration, and grow your bottom line. I'm the host of the show, Reese Arlen, along with my co-host, CEO of Business Marketing Solutions Group, Christian Webb. Say what's up. Turn that volume up. Let's get ready for the show. Turn that volume up. We got our coffee and we're good to go. Today we are joined by just a great guy. Uh, his name's Tori Wood. He graduated from Cambridge College with a master's degree in management. Prior to receiving his master's of management degree, he received a bachelor of science degree in business administration with a concentration in management from Elizabeth City State University. With over 10 years of experience in commercial banking, Tory started his banking career at Bank of America, where he developed a love and passion for helping people. Tory founded M&A Financial Group LLC in 2015 to help small to medium-sized business owners secure the financing they need to grow their business. Tory. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Hopefully, hopefully you've been at least a little bit entertained by some of Christian and I's antics before beforehand. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so right out of the gate, man, how do I get a small business loan for that yep. uh, for that taped up mic? Yeah. <laughs> hey, we can definitely talk about it after the podcast. <laughs> I need hey, to get it right. Financing equipment for you guys. I there you go. Do that for yeah. You. That's Fifteen good. bucks. Yeah. 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 Something like that. We need to. We need to get it together, man. We need to. I don't know. We got, for those of you listening, we got a we have a mic on a boom arm, and uh, we use the old Mooresville, North Carolina, Reese Arlen method, which is uh, duct tape. <laughs> and we got a, we got a little bit of a little bit of duct tape fixing mm. fixing the situation up, man. Hey, you guys are doing the best with what you have. Yeah, yeah. that's right. We're, that's, make, that's, we're making the, it work. That's the uh, epitome of a uh, entrepreneur, small business owner. Yeah, so. that's right, man. You gotta you gotta fix it before it gets it gets too broke. That's exactly. that's how that's how we roll with stuff. So. Tori, man, let's just let's just jump right into everything here. Um, Ten years of experience. Um, got your start at Bank of America, right? Absolutely. Okay, and then 2015 comes around, and you say, "Hey, I want to do this for myself." How how did that happen? Well, uh, just the experience with working at uh, you know B of A, um, I saw that there were a, a ton of uh, potential clients coming in uh, wanting a small business loan, and they were just turned away. Um, that, that's a, a huge segment of people that I felt like, you know, I could help. So uh, the, pre- the opportunity presented itself, and uh, I just wanted to uh, provide a, another avenue for the aspiring entrepreneur or the, uh, you know, small business owner to secure the financing uh, that they need for their business. Yeah. So, uh, Too many broke entrepreneurs coming in the door and leaving broke still? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You were like, I got to get after that. <laughs> But you know what? Uh, you know there are some there are some good applicants. So uh, you know I just wanted to provide a, a vehicle for them to um, you know secure their financing and uh, fulfill their dreams because I was once on the other side sure. uh, looking for someone to uh, believe in my vision and provide me the financing. So uh, you know that's what I want to do for others. Yeah. So out of curiosity, and this this is not really relevant to anything, but would you say that? Now that you own your own business, you work more or less than you did when you were working at B of A? I work more and I have less sanity. <laughs> <laughs> but it's worth it, right? It's worth it. Yeah. Uh, it the, the, the financial freedom, the, the flexibility. Um, you know, entrepreneurship has always been uh, in my heart since I was a, a teenager. I always knew that I wanted to own something. I didn't know what. Um, but, you know, throughout the years, I always prefer, uh, prepared myself, whether it's, you know, uh, writing business plans or sharpening up on my presentation skills, mm-hmm. uh, going to business school. So when that opportunity presented itself that I could, you know, not only take advantage of the opportunity, uh, but I could pre- present myself in the most professional way possible. 
Um, so I always wanted to own my own business. Anybody that knows me closely knows that. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like it's my calling not only to own my own business, but, you know, help put others in business as well. Yeah, absolutely. It, seem, it seems like you kind of have that entrepreneur's heart where you want to extend your arm out to help other people, you know, fulfill their own destiny and fulfill their own dreams and desires and things like that as well. Exactly, because, you know, I had a dream, I still have dreams, and uh, you just need someone to believe in you, believe in your vision, and, uh, you know, extend that helping hand, Mm -hmm. Um, because uh, I know how it feels to get the door slammed in your face hundreds of times. Sure. (laughs) Um, So, uh, you know, when I come across an entrepreneur that, you know, wants to start a business or someone that wants to expand and purchase an existing business... Um, you know, I'm that person that can point them in the right direction and, and get them, uh, you know, connected with um, the right lender that is interested in, in, in financing uh, their idea. Sure. Out of curiosity, you know, when I think about small business loans and when I think about people getting into business, acquiring new business or transferring or whatever, I'm thinking about like Shark Tank. You know, I'm thinking about like, you know, somebody going up in front of a boardroom of, you know, people. I know it's not like that. Looking but for equity. Yeah, yeah. looking for equity yeah. or, or whatever and kind of pitching their dream or, yeah. or whatever else type of thing. Um, how, how relevant is that stuff? And, and how often do, are people able to secure loans or investments based on, based on passion as opposed to what the dollars and cents say and what the, what the numbers say? Well, it, it all depends upon what, what stage uh, they're at. Um, for example, anyone that you know wants to start a business and the purchase price or the startup price is under three hundred and fifty thousand, uh, we have a great unsecured uh, you know finance program where we can you know secure secure uh, a business loan um, with your FICO score and your personal income. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no pitching involved. Yeah, um, my lenders are going to look at your credit history and what type of income that you've been generating for the past two or three years. Sure. But really, if you don't have a pitch, you should probably question yourself. Yeah, you should <laughs> right. probably question that. You should definitely system. be able to sell yourself and yeah. sell your idea because it's going to, uh, you probably more than likely going to be in a situation where um, you're going to have to present yourself and, right. and show yeah. people that you have a plan for your business three to five years. You have to sell everybody you meet. Yeah, like every customer, every every person I meet, you have to sell them on what your idea is. I mean, it's it's what you're doing, and if they don't buy in, you don't have customers. Right, right, right. You, and you know, it goes yeah. with uh, you know confidence. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't believe in your idea and you don't pitch your idea with uh, with confidence, no one is gonna believe in you. Yeah. you know, if you don't believe in yourself, no one else will. Yeah, I wouldn't cut a million dollar check to somebody who couldn't tell me what their product exactly. was. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I don't. I don't think anybody should, including the bank, even though they're <laughs> corporate conglomerates. You know, I mean, exactly. why, if you what can't would they? do that, then that means that you're not at a stage where you're ready. Right. Yeah. Um, so, um, what I do is I, you know, help people um, that are ready to take the next step, and then for those that are, you know, not at that stage where they're ready. I consult. I uh, provide consult- consultation to them as well, free yeah. consultation. So I let them know that you know this is the stage uh, where you're at, <clears throat> and uh, this is what you need to do to get to this point where you're ready to uh, you know secure the financing that you need. So sure. um, it's all about uh, you know providing uh, wisdom and knowledge um, to my uh, clients, and uh, you know helping them along the way, regardless of what stage they're at. Sure, absolutely. That's that lends to an interesting uh, point here. So, 
you know, whenever I'm thinking about unsecured loans, I mean, that's kind of like the all or nothing gambit. You know, that's kind of like the, that's kind of like I'm, I'm all in, all my eggs in one basket, taking the risk, taking the dive, jumping off the cliff, taking the chance, whatever else. Is there anything that you guys can provide that offers them some assurance that, you know, I mean, it's a scary thing for anybody to get a mortgage or a 10 year SBA loan for $350,000 or whatever else. Is there any, any, uh, consultative approach that you guys offer to people that, you know, let's say somebody has just a brilliant idea, everything makes sense, but some kind of reassurance that, you know, if three years down the line, they're not making money or something like that, how can they get out of that situation? Well, that, that goes, I think that refers back to uh, being confident in your idea and what you're trying to do. You know, nothing is a guarantee. Right. Um, I'm sure Mark Zuckerberg or any, or, uh, you know, the founder of Amazon or anyone mm -hmm. that started something great, um, there was no guarantee that they were, they were going to succeed. Right. You know, there's failure involved. Um, so, uh we can provide them the pros and cons mm -hmm. of you know the decision that they're trying to make, but ultimately it's up to the client to you know make that assessment on whether or not they want to move forward because you know there's failure and there's you know success and depending upon the person you're going to ultimately decide which side you're going to land on. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Every, so every every entrepreneur, small business owner, you know, you have to have supreme confidence absolutely. In, in yourself and in, in, in what you're doing. And if I have to convince you of that, then yeah. you know, you may not be ready. Yeah, it's probably yeah. not the yeah. right it's, circumstance. They, they say that this, uh, you know, entrepreneurship is not for the faint at heart. Mm -hmm. It's a reason for that. Sure. You know, you could lose everything you have by pursuing an idea. Right. You know, so uh, you have to be, uh, you know, uh, you have to be aware of that. You have mm -hmm. to be aware of the risk and the reward. Yeah. But then again, if you don't take no risk, there's no reward. Right. You know. Yeah. Keep keep working for well, Bank of America. Let's say, let's say where there absolutely is. It's about yeah. 50 years of work, 40 hours a week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nine to five, baby. I mean, that's that's just the way it loads and, and, up. And there's, and, and there's nothing wrong with that if, you know, that's your idea of success and that's what you want to do with your life. Well, sure. let's, let's face it. If, if there wasn't people that was content, were content with that, then we wouldn't have entrepreneurs. Right. Exactly. <laughs> everybody yeah. has to play their role. Yep. Yeah. You know, everybody can't be uh, an entrepreneur. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point. You, need, you know, you need entrepreneurs, you need executives. Yeah. You need, and you need workers too, workers, you know, project managers, yeah. you know, so that's what, you know, make, uh, keep the, uh, the country. Thriving. Just because all workers don't get paid as good as an entrepreneur, it doesn't mean they have a bad life. They literally get off at five and they never have to take a phone call again. Right. Like I took a phone call last night at 1015. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've done the same. Like I've been, uh, you know, laying in bed at night around 1030, 11 o'clock. And I was working with a client on a, uh, expanding uh, his operations with acquiring another restaurant location. And a lot of anxiety and nervous energy with the client and uh you know he was texting me and i answered and uh sometimes not only am i a, a, a financial intermediary but i have to be a psychologist as well yeah i have to be <laughs> coaching people through stuff yeah, sure you have to coach them um you know but i think that's what you know sets me apart from a lot of financial intermediaries out here because once six, six o'clock you know comes they shut off every uh, everything and uh, you know cease all communication with their clients until the next day. But I'm always accessible to my mm -hmm. clients. 
uh, customer service is uh, always top priority. Um, so whenever you need to reach me, you yeah, can. you can. Yeah. But one of the things I like to say about entrepreneurship, particularly, is that you never clock in, but you never clock out either. Never. You know, never. it's. I mean, we all have the story of answering the phone at ten fifteen or whatever. I mean, not for nothing, Christian, but I answered my phone at midnight last night, of course, with my mom, but, you know, <laughs> talking about Luke Keekley, we're just heartbroken, and the more I look yeah. over at the stadium, I'm just, I'm just sad about it, but, boy. He needed, he needed to go, man, that guy had yeah, so many concussions. Was, oh, yeah, I know. He, he, um, he needs to be healthy. I, so, uh, Tim reminded me of this. We have a good friend named Tim, and we met Luke Keekley at a mm-hmm. conference together, and at the end of it, and this was after some of the concussions, um, Tim goes, and Tim's just a big doofus ogre, and he says, he says, oh, Oh, uh, hey, hey, Luke. Uh, I hope I hope that you have a great season. And Luke and Luke goes, Yeah, man, you too. <laughs> <laughs> so Luke actually said that to him. I had no but idea it was, what he was doing. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. And he just, he was just, you know, it's one of those things. Like you got like, it. He's probably responded to four hundred thousand people. Oh, right. Yeah. It was, at the, and it was the end of it too. So God knows he was just. He's super like, he's like, bro, funny. Leave story. me but, alone. Yeah, just, just, I well, want to go home well, now. You know, from what I understand, he's very uh, knowledgeable of the game. So maybe he'll become uh, an analyst. That'd be we, cool. Or we a think, coach. Or yeah, I think yeah. that he's going to go on and be like a linebacker coach personally. But okay. we'll, we'll see for sure. But um, don't we need a defensive coach or something? Mm, that we don't want to talk about that. We're, <laughs> I mean, I can I can turn this to the Panthers podcast like that if you want to. Luke Keekly becoming uh, a defensive coach. Back to Tori. So, um, so Tori, I, I want to ask you something that's very industry specific to you, um, and I think it's something that uh, our listeners would find very interesting. But you've been in this, this space, I would say, for ten years, um, particularly with with business acquisitions, small business loans, starting up businesses, and etc. Have you seen or felt any type of qualitative change in the types of businesses that people are interested in, both starting and transferring, or is just everything off the wall? Well, I think everything is off the wall, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, one particular industry is uh, you know uh, you know comes to mind when you ask that question, and that's the uh, seltzer uh, industry. Interesting. Um, um, you know, I have uh, I've been approached by some clients that want to uh, you know start seltzer uh, businesses where they make uh, seltzer drafts okay. that taste like beer. I was gonna say like beers or something. But, or? Uh, it, it's non-alcoholic. Whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> that's a uh, we can't drink nasty beer. <laughs> yeah. and it not be alcoholic. That, that, that seems like blasphemy. Like if I'm gonna drink to be nasty beer, I better have a buzz. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, like, that's how I feel about the subject. That's kind but, of interesting. But you know what? It, it it's uh, it's becoming a, a trend in the area. And uh, weird. You know, Just drink my, water. My I'm almost ashamed <laughs> I asked this question. Like that's. A, <laughs> And you've seen this more than once, or is this just like a one-off? And we are talking about thing? America, right? Yeah, like yeah, what? Is, America, yeah. Oh. yeah. It, it, I've uh, had quite a few. Man. Believe it or not, uh, some of my lenders are, uh, you know, like the industry, and uh, they're actually, you know, financing, uh, you know, the businesses. So wow, um, that's one that sticks out. Uh, that's crazy. Easily. Yeah. See, you can't be pessimistic about anything. If that succeeds. Everything succeeds. Well, if uh, if if I'm being honest, I drink a lot of seltzer water, but if no, tasting no, like beer, beer, seltzer beer with no. Like you go to a brewery alcohol. and they have six beers over here, and they have six seltzer beers over here that don't have that alcohol. are non-alcoholic. And then, and then too, like uh, that's so soon, weird. Soon you're gonna go to you know every restaurant and they're gonna offer it. Yeah. Because I know with uh, one of my clients. Um, she's working with uh, you know a lot of restaurants. All right, Reese. There's our second business: seltzer beer. Dude, let's do it, man. That's something. I mean, I, when when you're saying that, I'm I'm thinking about like all the White Claws and Trulies and stuff like that. 
And by the way, White Claw did like the best job. I'm convinced to this day. White Claw, there's this video. You guys have, will have to check it out um, on YouTube of this. He's a comedian or whatever. And it's just a guy that's like a, he's just playing a character as like a white trash dude or whatever. And he's just drinking White Claws or whatever. And he's just saying a bunch of funny stuff. But he, he comes in real loud and obnoxious like, you know, my spirit animal or something. He says, he says, ain't no laws when you're drinking claws. And, and he comes in and he, he just says all sorts of stuff. Actually, like that, funny. But. Here's a quick plug. So that is actually a super powerful example of a micro influencer. No doubt about it. Yeah. So, so having somebody that no, everybody in Charlotte that was drinking those things yep. kept saying that phrase. Yeah. And he knows this because restrinks white and it claws. Came from, it came from a, and it came from a micro influencer on YouTube. Yep. Yep. Um, he just he had he had it. He said it. And he had millions of viewers. Now everybody's freaking saying it yeah. and drinking it. Yeah. It's, it starts here. You yeah. Know, yeah. No, I don't think that any idea is is crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people have made success stories out of you know very crazy ideas. You know, as it was perceived by other people. But sure. You know, it starts, you know, with your mind first and then, uh, you I'm know, sure the cell phone you, was you, crazy you, idea. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Once, once you bring it to life, then people will jump on board. Sure. So, you know, you just have to get up and go and, and start it yourself and uh, believe in it. And, uh, you know, if, if you can solve problems for others, um, you're winning. It you're seems winning. like. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about the other piece of what you do. So acquisitions, um, something that I've been curious about and uh, a little bit of personal interest here. Um, when you go to buy another company, how, 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 how involved do you get in how true their numbers are and how accurate their next uh, projected five years are when you go to talk to the purchaser about the small business loan for that acquisition? Well, I'm, I'm very involved with the, the financing piece of it. Mm-hmm. Um, what I do is, you know, I provide the consultation to the client on um, what I think uh, the probability is of, you know, getting a lender to finance the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, um, you know, I'll collect the necessary, you know, documents from the client, like um, the last three years of P&L and balance sheets from the company that they're mm-hmm. looking to purchase to see how yeah. they're performing. See, um, this is something that, this is where, where my question is coming from, because I know people, I'm not going to say names, I know people that have acquired, like, gyms, et cetera, things like that. That you run the last three years, they're healthy, but what you don't see is that they, de- they were declining by 20% the very last year, and now they're continuing to decline by 20%. You purchase off their last three years of growth, and then you actually come into like this like huge deficit because life fit- li- Lifetime Fitness moved down the street, mm-hmm. and that's why they dipped out, and they don't include that on their report sheet. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> well, in that particular situation, you know, if you run into a situation like that, you want to get audited financials so you mm-hmm. know that the financials are accurate mm-hmm. uh, as possible. But uh, okay. so that's actually my question. So audited financials when you're thinking about doing an acquisition will help save your tail. Absolutely, um, because uh, with those audited financials, you're ensuring that you know they're right. Mm-hmm. Someone is not pulling the wool over your eyes. Are, are there any examples of, of qualitative assessments with businesses like that? So Yeah, they're called uh, valuations. Valuations, so, so yeah. So what, what they do is uh, I'll submit, you know, the package to a lender, and then what the lender does is they um, reach out to a third party that does valuations for a business. Valuations is basically assessing the business and seeing what the actual value of it is to ensure that the client is, you know, buying it at 
you know, a good purchase yeah. price. Now, is that considered audited financials or is that a next step? That's a next, that's a next step. Okay, mm-hmm. so you would still, even after evaluation, you would still, if you're being smart, you would get their financials audited so they weren't like padding the books or something? Well, yeah, well, you want to get the financials early um, okay. because I have to engage my lenders. Mm-hmm. So um, when I submit those financials to the lenders, they're going to tell me the first two to three days, okay, whether or not they're interested or not. They get with me, they get back with me very quickly. So I won't waste my time, lender's time, mm-hmm. client's time. Right. So um, that's the process of getting a pre-qualification. So when I submit the financials to mm-hmm. uh, my lender, they'll let me know if this is something that they're interested in. And when they are, we'll get them a pre-qualification letter, let them know what the potential uh, rate and terms will be. And then uh, once they agree and sign, you know, we go into the underwriting process. Do, during that underwriting process, that's basically the investigation process on not only the business that they're looking to purchase, but also, you know, the history of the person that's uh, the Purse, borrower. Person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds like, it sounds like acquiring is actually pretty safe if you follow the correct steps. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, if you get all those steps done. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, one, if you're doing anything right, the right way, you're going <laughs> to mitigate as much risk as possible. Yeah. So, Costs a little more, I'm sure, but it makes, yeah. makes life yeah, you better down the road. Um, out, of, out of curiosity, how much of what you deal with is turnkey and owner absentee stuff? So how much of it is just somebody looking to get out of the industry, the business is profitable and running by itself, and, and so maybe somebody else that has you know, a business of their own running that stuff, but they're looking to make a, a revenue investment? Um, how much of that stuff turns over? I mean, is there a bunch of that or not really? Well, yeah. well you have a lot of people that have you know, different reasons for wanting sure. to get out of their business and, and, and sell their business. You may have a, uh, a business owner that's been running their business for 30, 40 years and they're looking to retire. Mm-hmm. You, know, uh, you know, those uh, particular deals, uh, you know, they sell pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, business owner's just tired. Ready to retire. Ready to yeah. retire. Yeah. Vacation, spend time with the family. Yeah, no more headaches. Right. Just get the, that lump sum type exactly. stuff in exactly. place. I got you. So, uh, you know, it could be a variety of reasons. Yeah. Uh, you know, why, you know, business may, you know, be on the market for sale. Sure. So say somebody's trying to buy a business. Where would they go to find businesses for sale? Well, you, you have, uh, you know, various... I would suggest, you know, reaching out to, you know, uh, various business brokers. You can mm. uh, Google, you know, business brokers in your area. Um, you have uh, uh, franchise consultants out there. Um, word of mouth with various professionals. Just knowing uh, people. Just knowing people. Mm-hmm. Business brokers and knowing people. Right. I got you. That's cool. Mm-hmm. It's, it's such an interesting thing to think about, you know, when retirement comes around, what, what type of nest egg do you have? And, than selling the thing that you've that you've created, and seemingly if you've done an excellent job of creating that thing and making it attributable and making it scalable, so something where you can just buy it, let it run, and make money off of it as an investment or something like that. I mean, those seem like the most appealing types of businesses, and also ones that have longevity. And <laughs> one of the best well. retirement plans. Like, yeah, yeah, no kidding. You get a ten no million kidding. dollar a year business on a monthly retainer. Yeah, and you go to retire. That's like a. That's like what. A, 
50, 60, maybe even an $80 million business easy. Yeah, I mean, it, or, or whatever it happens to be. I mean, it seems like an interesting circumstance. <laughs> they say if you, they say if you, if your company, if somebody can buy your company and not have to work inside of it, mm-hmm. it's worth like five times. And then if they have to come in and work a position to make it run, then it's worth three to four. Well, it depends on the market. Um, Type of business, I yeah. imagine. Yeah. What do they really? call that? They call that something. EBITDA. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. E- EBITDA, uh, earnings. I can't remember what it stands for. I remembered at some point because I just, you know, just you're, you're using grad school words or something. <laughs> you, you know what, what they all are? Do you, the EBITDA? You know what? It's uh, earnings, balance, opportunity. I don't know. God. We're going to have to figure it out. We're, We're about Googling. to use the Google. We're Googling it. We're Googling it. So let me, let me get some, uh, some professional insights since we, uh, since we got you here. What, what types of businesses do you think make for some of the best investments? So um, both from a turnkey operation, because I always think about how I'd love to have a... Oh, you got it? You Earning, got it? Earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, amortization. Amortization. There you go. Yep. I remember. Ah, man. Any other time I'd be able to remember that oh, naturally. Somebody but. without any time... Yeah, figured out those words. Yeah, just as many syllables as you can possibly right. fit into an acronym. Because um, I, I always think about um, how I'd love to have like a storage building or something like that. Those because, are popular. Yeah, I actually uh, was working with a CPA. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a CPA by day, but uh, he was investor of you know storage property mm-hmm. by night, and just looking at the earnings on that and. His balances was I, I didn't even realize that that was a thing. Right. Um, but he's doing you know pretty well. Yeah. And the thing is, is that it doesn't take a lot of your time. Right. You know to own those. And yeah. people always need storage. Oh yeah. Like it's yeah. just never not a thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think about my mom, and my mom is constantly ordering shit. I mean, just stuff. She just has stuff, you know. And as a matter of fact, my mom's the person. Where if I'm at her house or something, and then and I'm like, oh god, I'm going to a birthday party. She'll be like, oh, hang on, who's it for? And then I'll, you know, I'll tell her which friend it's for, and uh, she'll be like, oh, I got the perfect gift for them. And she'll just whip something out. Like, Why do you have this? Yeah. Like, she's like, oh, I just got stuff. You know how it is. That's how she talks too. Right, you right. can ask Christian if I'm lying. Well, Quite so, regifting something in 2016. Oh yeah, she's she's. <laughs> I'm not making this up, and it's really funny. Um, she's Christmas shopping right now. Cause all the all the Christmas, I swear on my life. No. The truth. You know, yep. I've actually heard that people, mm-hmm. you know, Christmas shop throughout the year. Yep. That's mm-hmm. the top of the year. Mm-hmm. You know? I'm about to just start. I, I'm literally. This is who I'm a humbug guy. Like I'm about to just start like completely like boycotting all events. Because <laughs> Thanksgiving and and Christmas literally take like. 15 days of my life, and I go oh, to yeah. like seven dinners. Oh, yeah. That's just not necessary. I, I think about the, the health implications of it. And so yeah. I was talking with somebody very recently about a New Year's resolution. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because it seems like for the past 10 years of my life, between, let's say, October the 1st and December 31st, I usually gain about somewhere between 7 and 15 pounds. <gasps> you know, just because you got Halloween and candy, and you got Thanksgiving and eating, and then you got Christmas. And and it's cold and and the economy shuts down. The economy much. and I don't work out as much and stuff like that. And then between January and say March thirty or whatever, March thirty first is whatever the end of March. Mm. You know, it seems like I lose it back. And it's not it's not like a resolution for me. It's more like just a New Year's like agenda. Like right. it's just like a repeating circumstance in my mind. And what, what drives me insane about these dinner events is when you go there, half the people there don't want to be there. Right. So why are we doing the event? Yeah. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like bah just, humbug. Just, just do two of them instead bah of seven. Humbug. Yeah. If Christian. I did two, I'd be so excited. Yeah. I know what I know. With us, uh, Thanksgiving dinner consists of my family having a dinner and my wife's family mm-hmm. having a dinner. So two dinners. Yeah. See, I like same, that. Same That's okay. Oh, no, I don't like that. Yeah, we eat, like, my family. <laughs> yeah, you do. Don't lie. Boom one day. Oh, dude. My family eats oh. in the early part of the day and, and hers in the latter part, so we can make both. And we're only about an hour uh, apart. That's, uh, that part's good. Family, so I'm going to give you guys some Thanksgiving insight. So if you guys worked on preparing the food for Thanksgiving, which I'm sure you guys don't based on your stories, Oh no! Then you wouldn't overeat like that because I never overeat on Thanksgiving because I have to get over to my mom's house really early to help with the turkey and I carve the turkey and I and we do all sorts of stuff. Aren't like that. you a mama's so, boy? I am a mama's boy. I, I that's that's, right? that's that masculinity you know? I'm jealous of. Hey hey hey! <laughs> Look at my beard. Look at my beard. What you think? So so Tori, what other what other types of businesses? Just I mean, this is just simply curiosity, but. Um, what other types of things do you think make for excellent uh, investments with low owner interest? Um, even if it's an expensive business type, what types of things do you think, you know, let's say that I'm worth like $50 million and I'm not yet, but <laughs> you know, what, what types of businesses do you think have some residual income features with relatively low owner um, interest? Well, a, a lot of my clients, they, it, it, it all depends upon what their passion is and, sure. and, and what they're, what they like. Mm-hmm. Most people invest in, you know, their passion. Right. Um, you know, uh, do you find that the second and third investment are usually based on money and not passion, though? Because like I'd see the first, my like this company, passion, right? Um, but like if I was to invest in something else, it'd probably be something like something like he said, like storage units, something storage I have no interest company. in whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I work with a lot of uh, franchise consultants and, and and business brokers, and what I'm finding is that my clients will consult with them, tell them what they're interested in, and the broker or the franchise consultant will give them uh, a rundown on what's out there. Sure. Um, and for me, I kind of stay out of, you know, yeah, interests and stuff. I see. Yeah. Sure. And uh, focus Ooh. more on you finances know, making it happen from a, a, a finance. The money side. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Do you think it's, it's reasonable to approach investing in a business with that type of attitude? Again, let's say I'm worth a hundred million dollars. I'm not yet, but you know, let's say, <laughs> let's say, you know, somebody's just looking to invest in different things, kind of spreading their pie around so that they can earn income in different areas. Right. I mean, do you think it's reasonable for them to, to avidly seek businesses where they have to do relatively little to keep it afloat? Yeah, most. I'm working with a client now that <clears throat> he, he was an executive at, uh, you know, Wells Fargo. And, uh, you know, he wants to start an investment company. Mm-hmm. Well, what he's doing is, you know, consulting with business brokers and he's looking to, uh, you know, purchase some HVAC companies. Now, okay. Uh, he has an M&A background, mm-hmm. knows nothing about HVAC. Right. But what he does know is that the P&L and balance sheets are healthy, uh, are, are yeah. healthy and those <laughs> are thriving businesses. Yeah. Um, you know, so a lot of people... You know, they invest in their passions, and then you have people that say, screw the passion, I'm going for profitability. Sure. Um, you know, so it, it depends upon the person. Depends on the person and the strategy, for sure. For me personally, I got to invest in what's, you know, profitable. Profitable, yeah, yeah. something that's right for right. you and yeah. something. Yeah. I always think about, because I think about that a lot, you know, if, if you were worth tons and tons of money, I mean, you know, Ideally, now I'm a firm believer that you you have to 
spread your spread your lump around, right? You don't put all your eggs in one basket. So you know, if some if one thing tanks, same thing. It's like various, the mutual various fund. streams of income. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's like the mutual fund strategy. You know, um, they'll take they'll take their lump sum and put it in a hundred different stocks instead of just riding out Apple or whatever. Yeah, diversifying. Yeah. yeah, isn't it Warren absolutely. Buffett that swears by that as well? Yes. Yep. Diver- yeah, yeah. And he just he just said the key words there: diversifying your, like your portfolio. Seven, he has like seventeen streams or something like that. Well, Probably more if it's Warren Buffett. <laughs> he said he had 17 mainstreams. Yeah. Uh, I think he said that on a conference thing. Yeah. I, mean, I, bet he, I bet he's counting real estate as one stream. Sure. Yeah. Because <laughs> I know he, he has like he owns. has way more than 17 streams. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's 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 he has uh, 17 rivers of income, actually. Is what we, <laughs> I should have like called that. it a river. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Because yeah, I know he has real estate, obviously. Then he probably has all these other investments. I bet he was just counting like investments as one stream. Yeah. Real estate as one stream. I'd be interested in seeing like the doing like a deep dive into the into the study of residential real estate versus commercial real estate from strictly an investment perspective. I think about, you know, with commercial real estate, your, your lease terms are usually longer. You have typically an upfront cost because you have to provide your tenant with, with some sort of, uh, whether it's tenant allowance or yep. whether it's, you know, some sort of upfront thing, preparing the space or something like that. Build out. Uh, build outs, mm-hmm. um, anything like that. Um, on average, commercial real estate costs a lot more for the same types of space, just based on zoning. But then the the take home from all of that is that on average, you're getting more per month. So it's kind of interesting. I'd, I'd love to see the difference. That's interesting. Those. Can a company buy real estate on an SBA? Well, it depends. If you're uh, if you're going to be owner occupied, absolutely. Oh, not if you're going to rent if, space. If, if, if you're looking to buy an office building and just be the tenant and have people come in and occupy your space. What if I have one sales rep in one room of a, of a, of a building? It, it ha- you have to show that you're occupying at least 51%. Interesting. Of, of that I was curious about that because I was like, yeah. That's, that, that would be interesting. Yeah. yeah. See, all the things we don't know, it's just amazing when we have guests like you particularly. The things that, we learn from people like you. Really yeah, cool. that can, it's a very interesting thing. So, Tori, um, we're going we're gonna to kind of – fade out here, but I always like to ask somebody something, or I always like to ask our guests something kind of silly before the end of it. What would you say is the craziest business idea you've ever been approached with in 10 years? Oh, no. The craziest business idea. Oh, man. I feel like, I feel like this should be easy for you. <laughs> yeah. You'd think that you'd seen something just absolutely wild or something like that. That's a good question. Um, you don't have an answer. I got another one, but you yeah. You know, everything is, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say I've been approached with, uh, you know, a crazy business idea. Um, I think just going back to what we said earlier, as far as the seltzer idea, mm-hmm. that, that was pretty different. Yeah. Um, it's out there, especially that it's non-alcoholic. That, yeah. That's pretty wild, you know. Yeah. Spend an afternoon with Christian. I promise you, he'll come up with some stuff for sure. What, what were you gonna say there? Oh, I was I was just gonna say if uh, if if I approved you for a loan right now, five hundred thousand dollars, what would you invest in? Ooh, that's a good one. What would I invest in? You know what? I probably would go uh, the franchising route. Um, something that's you know exist an existing uh, franchise mm-hmm. um, with a proven model. Yeah, something that you know I would be in uh, business for myself, but you know not by myself. Sure, um, having the resources right. available. Yeah, to that, it, it's that's, that's not a, not a franchise game. fad though. Yeah. Right, right, <laughs> um, and that's the name of the game because you know with uh, small business owners, 
they don't necessarily have the the resources to you know take their business to the next level. So you know, it'd be an interesting investment right now. Side, little side thought right. is whoever's thinking about opening a business that's going to take like take companies like uh, like your auto your like your grease monkeys and your like auto, whatever those places are. That's going to transform those into an electric electric uh, mechanic shop. It's a long term okay. game, right? There, you, for you, sure. you know what? Yeah. I, if you made that investment ten years from now, though, oh yeah, it'd be tremendous because it has to exist. You got to think about it. You know? I actually had a client that I work with that he was working for this mechanic, um, uh, this mechanic shop, uh, for over twelve years, and his boss, the owner, uh, wanted uh, was ready to retire. They formed a close relationship, and uh, the owner, you know, decided to you know sell the shop to, um, you know, his. Uh, his staff member, his worker. And, uh, you know, he took a look at the financials and it was performing, you know, very well. And uh, he was able to get an SBA loan, uh, you know, to buy it. So, um, you know, those are the type of things that, you know, I like to help the, the, the clients do. Yeah. Well, especially, you know, the guy's passionate about it. Right. He's been working for him for 12 right. years. Yeah. Right. You know? I bet there's going to be consultants that come around that literally completely remodel mechanic shops into electrical oh, car mechanic sure. shops. Yeah, because they, I think the latest be an entire statistic industry. on that is by 20, what year are we, 2020? By 2030, um, I believe that they, that they say that over a quarter of the vehicles on the road right now are going to be 100% electric. You already see a lot of them, but yeah. but that's but right now it's about one or two percent. But yeah. think about implementing that market. Share. And if you that's go to crazy. Joe's mechanic shop, they're yeah. not working on your Tesla, right? Like yeah, they're, <laughs> they're doing oil changing and stuff. No oil and electric, so that's interesting. Um, you know, you, Tori, you were mentioning franchises. Uh, I think it's Jim Gaffigan that has this great bit about. Um, he's talking about. He's like, I saw a McDonald's go out of business the other day. What do you think you'd say if you were McDonald's? Hello, this is McDonald's. Yeah, we went out of business. Did you turn the golden arches on? <laughs> did you did you uh, have Big Macs there? <laughs> you know, so you talk about proven track records. It's kind of interesting when you see some of yeah, these that, larger I, franchises. I guess, I guess that goes back to what we was talking about earlier, where you know nothing is a, a guarantee. Uh, mm-hmm. Down the street from us, uh, they just tore down a, a KFC. Wow. Um, yeah, so, and that's it's a true. proven. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I think McDonald's is going out anyway. Yeah. Like, everywhere you They're go. definitely adapting. You're going to notice it now, though. But like, everywhere you go, you'll see a McDonald's next to, like, a Chick-fil-A and next yep. to a Burger King. You'll literally see almost no cars at McDonald's, like, three lanes of traffic at Chick-fil-A yeah. and, like, four cars at Burger King. And yep. you see that all over the state. Yeah. You know, Chick-fil-A has a, a very, uh, you know, a good, you know, business model, especially their customer service. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Uh, you know, a lot of clients, they buy into the relationship uh, opposed to the actual, you know, product. And when you go, not only, you know, do they have great customer service, mm-hmm. but they have a great product as well. But mm-hmm. when you go to a Chick-fil-A, you know, they really seem enthusiastic about, you know, serving you. Yeah. Other places, not so much. Yeah. You know, like, here's, here's your shit, get out. I mean, no smile, no yeah. enthusiasm. Yeah. I'll yeah. tell you something that, that drives, I don't, I don't know why. It just, it just irritates me. Like, let, I don't, I don't know why, but like, well, actually I do know why. So I'm a glutton, but you know, let's say that like Christian and I go out, go out and get McDonald's, which I don't think I've eaten McDonald's in like years, but right. you know, let's say we go out there and you get, and you get that, that teenager behind the counter that just hates his life or whatever, you know, 
And it's like, yeah, can I get some ketchup, please? And he gives you like one packet, you know? Right, and right, it's like, it's like right. for, you know, for both Christian and myself, and you're just like, dude, like. <laughs> I, need <laughs> another, I need another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, you don't want to ask or right. whatever, but that's just one of my pet peeves. Whereas at Chick-fil-A, they're like, what you need? And, and. Uh, this giant tray of honey mustard. Like, Bam, have some sauce, dude, for sure. So uh, Tori Wood, our guest today. Tori, um, let's say somebody's looking at uh, getting into a business, whether it's acquisition, selling a business, or getting a loan. How do they get a hold of you? Well, uh, you can reach me by email, uh, Tori at uh, mafinancialgrp.com. And then uh, also uh, you can reach me um, at my uh, toll-free number is uh, 888-811-3645. Perfect. So that's that's Tori, T-O-R-R-E-Y at mafinancialgrp.com, and then the phone is 888-811-3645. Tori, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure.